0: I don't know diddly squat about what Olivier Duval about to talk about.
1: <laughs> it's one of those ones where I feel like I was slightly out of my depth. Sorry, man. Uh, no, nah, you know. <sighs> all right. So that's just that you're just giving me free reign to like let her rip.
0: No, well, there was big words, a lot of big words, and uh, I was okay, like, oh, all right,
1: so, sorry about that. But no, look, look, fine. I, all right. So um, I've been writing about kind of like Donald Trump and the internet, and mm. but the the thing that's really interesting for me in terms of thinking of the american you know liberal political establishment is is how the promise of our new communicative age has been you know thoroughly shattered right like i mean just think about it right so I, i mean i grew up in the 90s obviously like the promise of of the internet and you know first it was like things like virtual reality and all these things um was really emancipatory right and uh this has kind of been a line of thinking about uh, the promise of the network for the last 20, 30 years. But in fact, what does the network enable, right? The network enables surveillance, prejudice, uh, you know, what quote-unquote fake news, but conspiracy and kind of plumbing the depths of, of people's manias and pathologies. And, and, and Trump is through and through a product of, of this communicative age, and that's a very traumatic realization for for a lot of people. For a lot of people that have invested in, you know, uh, online as this as this great thing, right? Think something that, you know, uh, people thought that the in, uh, the political inheritance of online and communication was was stuff like Tahrir Square or Occupy Wall Street. But I mean, it's it's Trump. It's Trump in the all right mm. So that's what my um, I'm, you know, I'm giving a, a little talk today. Um, that's what it's about. And it's, 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 it's also about tracking the kind of the reaction to this, like right? the kind of crisis mode that we're in. So, you know, we're kind of searching around for like, you know, Russian trolls on Facebook mm-hmm. and uh, it must be Cambridge Analytica or like there's some kind of social malware that's infected this otherwise pure network. And um, well, look, that's that's simply not true and it's, it's paranoia and it's a return back to the internet's original paranoid surveillance routes, but I'll just kind of bookend it there.
0: All right, you, you bookend it, bookend it. Then, um, if you go back to the two thousand and sixteen political ra- presidential race, right? Yep, you know, you, you, the democratic machine uh-huh. uh, that it is, it's uh, it's in full swing. Um, they have the tools, they have the data, right? And the data is the answer to everything. Like, you know that the, the um, we're they're tracking everything. We're tracking everything. and Let's turn that data. Um, yes, let's turn all that tracking into data and analyze it um, to show the way to victory.
1: So. Here was, the, here was the deal. I mean, basically, uh, the Clinton campaign was kind of the high point of this kind of data modeling, kind of segmenting and micro-targeting of the electorate. Um, and, you know, this was something that was led by, you know, campaign manager Robbie Mook, who was supposed to be the kind of data whiz kid. And, you know, they had this Brooklyn data center, which was supposed to be kind of like a Google campusy style <laughs> with full of, like, full of, you know, people from Silicon Valley that had left positions to co-work for the campaign. And, you know, behind th- this data hub was the beautiful mind of... Uh, Elon Kriegel, you know, who had this this great model and he was doing 400,000 Simulations a day and like that the simulation was literally the thing that would decide whether Jay-Z and Beyonce got on the campaign trail for Clinton or not Um, so it was and this was kind of like a showing just how professional and and Technocratic they were and how they were kind of rising above the you know the, the 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 disgusting politics of Trump, but what happens when when you you basically view the social world as as ones and zeros or as these kinds of streams of information? I mean, uh, we obviously lose the kind of complexity of of what political identity is about, right? So like, I'm I'm really interested in in you know Lacan psychoanalytic theory, and so like people are not motivated by rational appeals to their better nature, mm. and this was the kind of ideas that like look we can we can say a hundred things to uh target all these different audiences appeal to their better nature and and that's the thing that will get us there but you know like uh, Trump's kind of libidinal shortcut um this kind of appeal to the kind of you know Mexicans are this or that and they've stolen American grace, greatness like that's it's an effective message at this kind of like you know, kind of libidinal level, um, and, and and this kind of data-centric view of the world can't really see that. But not only can it not see that, it's like almost impossible. they were ruled by this algorithm, right? So, like, in the tail end of the campaign, um, when uh, kind of traditional political operatives in places like Michigan and Wisconsin were telling them, "Look, you're you're in real trouble here. We need—we're on one twenty-fifth of the kind of resources for canvassers that we were a few electoral cycles back." They were kind of like, well, no. We, the algorithm says this. We got to stick to it. If we show that we're not faithful in our algorithm, then the whole thing will collapse. So it was mm. like, they were more loyal to this kind of uh, simulation of of the social world than than actual, you know, politics, right? Yeah. So that was a real problem.
0: Hey, was Trump Trump the, the difference between the the, the campaigns was um, was the Clinton campaign more about me and the Trump campaign more about us?
1: So, I mean, look. It's kind of ironic, right, that the, the most narcissistic, the most toxic narcissist in the world that I can you know, possibly think of did at some level, right, did at some level talk about people's pain, whether it's the opioid crisis, whether it's um, and I, look, I don't want to quite make too much a of point of the, about that. But, you know, I'm with her was not a great was not a great <laughs> tagline because again it was in about seeing in Clinton's breaking of the glass ceiling kind of you know showing the way for for you know uh, for everybody else and that's that's fine I get that um but at the end of the day I think there was enough resentment well there's enough sexism obviously to resent a powerful woman but then there was also enough resentment of this kind of striving professional technocratic class to, to think, well, I don't care if she makes it or not because that doesn't really affect me. Mm. So, you know, Trump listen, Trump Trump no- knows what's popular, he'll say anything and so there was there was moments where, you know he'd you know, open up about his brother who died due to alcoholism and of course, the story is that like Trump uh, well, whatever, I won't get into the Trump fi- family dynamic <laughs> but his, his, his hands aren't clean in that whole sad story. Um, but yeah, that's certainly one of it. One of the problems, but just to come back to the problems with messaging, this was the this was the real problem. If you if you read the this book, Shattered, which was kind of the the behind the scenes account, which was you know that journalists initially got access because they were supposed to be writing the hagiography, and they write about how much they struggled to come up with a message, like you know that they had a whiteboard full of like 200 different taglines, each as bad as the other, and and the thing is is that when you view the 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 population the polity in this kind of like division and micro segmenting and kind of data it's hard to like have a broad based like universal appeal right that that cuts across you know class um, ethnicity gender and all the rest of it they were they were you know it wasn't possible for them to think that way basically because of this data centric worldview
0: Mm. you know um, they they were using the data was Trump kind of creating
1: the data Oh, that's oh, that's a really interesting way of putting it. You know,
0: it. I mean, because, you know, he was feeding the, uh, you know, the public, you know, um, that was tired of, of a political class that didn't reflect themselves. He was feeding them that they didn't. And he was saying, you know, drain the swamp. Uh, as shit's broken. We're losing. Let's make it great again. And he was saying it all himself. Right. You know, he was on Twitter saying it himself. And he, and people, and he was responding what people were saying to him back on Twitter as well. Right.
1: So here's the thing. Trump so I wouldn't I wouldn't quite put it in terms of data but basically Trump actually realizes what the economic logic of online is right online in places like in web 2.0 is about this the, the circulation of kind of emotion and reaction and think of all your kind of Facebook reaction buttons right mm-hmm. um, and the reason why emotional content is is powerful is because it produces data, right? People react to it. You know how people think about it. And Trump is obviously always polarizing. He says all these, um, you know, horrific things, um, but he gets kind of engagement, right? Like, mm. I mean, you just, you just got to look whenever he tweets. Is like, there's a whole kind of industry of people rushing to be the first to respond to Trump's yeah. tweets because of how much engagement they get. But this, I mean, like, you know, what's fake news? Well, sometimes fake news is is stuff that's planted by by nefarious political agents, but sometimes it's just you know the Macedonian teenager that uh, is going to put some you know fictitious story out that drives kind of clicks because it's you know it's outrageous and I mean another example of this Facebook charged less money for Trump ads than Clinton ads because of this style of Trump content Trump's content you know creates emotional engagement whereas Clinton's kind of more sterile political message didn't so. In that sense he he realized what the economies of online are about and we've always been told that it's about empowerment and collaboration and bringing people together but actually it's about more or less driving us mad
0: yeah is Trump's game is that the game of the future are we gonna see um, you know the old political elite trying to jump on social media like let's think of 2020 and think about everyone that's gonna run you mean
1: Jake Paul's gonna run yeah well (laughs) Well, oh, my money's on little T. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but you think of you know you think about the old political. Uh, I mean, imagine if uh, this was the game. Like we knew they knew what to do last time. They were right. all going to copy. They were all going to oh, copy man. what Trump did. Imagine Rubio and imagine oh, all those yeah. people trying to do that kind of game that Trump did.
1: That's uh, so. This is yeah. I think this is really the interesting question because, as I said, I, th- I think that Clinton was and and you know Barack Obama was was uh... very much this kind of uh... data kind of machinery organization but you know he slightly more inspiring message and messenger But that kind of model is sort of broken. And it is like politics is like it's celebrities, a popularity Mm. contest. And so few. And the other thing is that like so few people actually engage with politics through the normal channels. Right. Like, yeah. um, And so Trump brand name recognition, celebrity, uh, pandering to the prejudices of his followers. Um, Yeah, that's unless. Okay, okay, so here I am kind of like dying on the hill for Bernie Sanders, but like you can see in that political message which he delivered something of the kind of similar emotional resonances, uh, resonances that 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 Trump's kind of, you know, disgusting populism has, right? Kind of like broad base, universal appeals to things like, you know, Medicare for all and, you know, uh, taking a strong hand to the banks. And so, you know, you have to have something of of this kind of broad universal substance to beat what is the default of of celebrity of pandering to prejudice um so i don't know where the democrats are going with this um i mean they seem to you know their whole existence as a party is to kind of learn nothing but but what they're trying to do in a sense is 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 leverage this uncertainty to to create like well we got to kind of sort of I don't know if censor the Internet is quite right, but basically declare certain sections of the Internet basically Putin bots and, and, and this kind of stuff. So there is kind of a uh, an attempt to use, you know, uh, cyber security people and mm. the state to kind of declare this like is kind of toxic content. But I don't think that's going to work.
0: No, yeah, because what do you do? What do you do? Because, you know, like you said earlier on, Russia, Cambridge Analytica, you know, the, you know, data mining and stealing shit, um, their views, you know, that necessarily isn't all true or didn't necessarily win the election for Trump at all. Um, but, you know, that's going to have to change things for 2020, right? Because there's that fear there, and they're going to believe
1: that shit anyway. They're going to believe that Russia's trying to get in. So what do they do? Well, listen, I mean, Mother Jones Magazine... Uh, which is historically a left-wing magazine. It's named after a kind of socialist labor organizer. Has got on their cover, which came out a couple of days ago, this outline of Trump and it's like circuit boards and it says hacked and like how tr- how Trump plans to hack all future elections and it's like, okay, this is so this is what we're talking about now. Basically, everything that doesn't work out the way of the the technocracy, which is from my, from where I stand, a pretty dead political project. Everything that doesn't uh, line up to how they see the world is is basically going to be a hack, a Russian hack, and if it's mm. not Russia then yeah. maybe it's North Korea, whatever. Like it that's that will be the discourse, that will be the framing, that'll be really tedious and tiresome and yeah. people from the left will be accused of being stooges for Putin and it's it's just a bad picture all over. And it's and it's a recipe for electoral failure, right? So like um the latest CNN polls have uh, Republicans and Democrats for the congressional midterms in a dead heat, and that's that's crazy because the first midterm of a sitting president always you always expect massive losses to, mm. to the ruling party, and we're talking about like the most incompetent beleaguered president I can think of in modern politics, and and this message of like you know suing Russia and you know uh, putting all of uh, the liberals trust in Robert Mueller is is not winning people over. It might have at the beginning, but now it's getting tiresome, right? Listen, the people that, that really responded to this stuff were, were basically the hardcore you know, liberals of the Democratic Party. It didn't do anything to expand mm-hmm. the base or to convince people that are skeptical of the Democratic Party. So it is catnip to a certain uh, kind of slice of the electorate, um, but it's it's not a a, again what beats kind of the celebrity contest it's kind of like broad-based material universal appeals to things that actually help people but there's there's reluctance to want to do things like that 2020 is just going to be a political
0: fuck, right it's (laughs) going to be uh like social media is is going to be horrendous
1: yeah 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 it's it's interesting and i think the only thing uh you can say is that like um it's gonna be funny uh, well, <laughs> it's—I mean, Trump was funny until it wasn't. You know, yeah, if that's, yeah. the pro- <laughs> that's the problem with this stuff. All right, twenty twenty. No, I—I I, I never do predictions, Jamie. Yeah, I'm not I never say do. It, well, but it, but I, I, say the way it's amaze. going, let me let me tell you something. Um, for shaping up for the primaries, um, the Democrats have more national security candidates in the pool of of primary candidates than any other professional distinction. Right, so that's ex-CIA yeah, military yeah, intelligence yeah, yeah and yeah, it's, it's crazy and they have more than local office holders and lawyers yeah so like it's like help us the CIA you're our only hope yeah. like that's that's, that's the everybody's logic.
0: a war hero right yeah, and they've, all, yeah. they've all gone and fought the bad guys and these so. people
1: were always so like so there was always this kind of strain in the uh, Democratic Party the kind of people that love John McCain the kind of people that love that guy Jim Webb you know who was on, you know and and these are people like from Northern Virginia which is actually the most affluent, um, I'm from Virginia, so I know this. It's the most affluent part of the country because it's full of, like, national security contractors. Yeah, 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 yeah. And these people are largely Democrat. Mm. And so that's kind of the new heart and soul of the Democratic Party. I mean, like, yeah, grotesque. That's, that's Grotesque, horrendous. right? So they went from kind of sort of making an f- uh, olive branch to Black Lives Matter to now Black Lives Matter are outside Soviet agitators. I mean, it's really, it's bad news.
0: All right, we're going to have to leave We're run out of time. No okay, pleasure. Hey, hey, thank you for coming up. So, uh, you're talking today. And I am talking today. It's, it's th- for faculty, uh, alumni, and students. students.
1: But whatever, Google it if, if you're keen, you know. It's yeah, all yeah.
0: Good. Uh, data fes- fetishism, uh, surveillance, and the failure of networks, social media after Trump. Olivier Jutel, thank you so much. Thanks, Jim. Here's.